This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. DOE launches Summit Supercomputer. U.S. poised to reclaim top 500 lead. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, we have the debut of the long-awaited Summit Supercomputer at Oak Ridge National Labs. Yeah, it's up and running. They uh, they announced it was now running. It's completed. They've actually run some applications on it. They announced it a couple, three weeks ahead of the top 500 rankings and list, uh, which is a little unusual, but I think they wanted to get this story out there. It's exciting for the DOE. Um, it's certainly going to be exciting for the U.S. if they do manage to reclaim the lead, which is what it looks like is going to happen. To be clear, this is a system that's now fully delivered and installed that is still pending acceptance, but they've been running codes on it, including, we presume, LINPAC for the upcoming Top 500 announcements, but also a wide range of applications in material science with quantum Monte Carlo, genomics, nuclear physics. Um, and what they're billing this as is the world's smartest supercomputer for science, which is kind of a funny thing to say, but it's a way that they're positioning this as for both traditional HPC applications as well as the whole realm of analytics and AI, which this is well configured for. Right. They got the six uh, NVIDIA Tesla V100 GPUs per node there. So it's very GPU heavy. And because the V100s and the way they're constructed, uh, very well suited for AI machine learning type of codes, building these neural networks that uh, we've been talking about for several years now. Um, it probably wasn't in the original plan that they were going to get all this. But now that they've got it, um, I think they're really emphasizing this aspect of it and especially as some of these machine learning workloads start to permeate HPC in sort of significant ways uh, Summit is going to be a very unusual computer and, and very much a cutting-edge computer along these lines. Yeah, so let's do a quick recap of the system itself. This is of course uh, a system architected uh, with components from IBM, NVIDIA, Mellanox. This is the whole open power foundation behind this kind of architecture. The right. peak performance is going to be 200 petaflops. That's the traditional double precision petaflops that we're used to thinking of for HPC, for uh, high performance LINPAC and the top 500 list. It has 4,608 nodes, 4608. Each node is a dual socket IBM Power 9 plus six NVIDIA Tesla V100 GPUs. It's a dual rail Mellanox InfiniBand EDR. It has a 250 petabyte IBM Spectrum scale file system, 2.5 terabytes per second. And then the memory is somewhat interesting here because they talk about each node having 608 gigabytes of what they're calling fast memory. That's a combination of the traditional DIMMs that are 512 gigabytes of DIMMs that are on the node, and then also 96 gigabytes of 
the high bandwidth memory HBM2 that's assigned to the NVIDIA GPUs, then the rest of the memory isn't really what I would think of as memory in a traditional sense. It's NVMe. There's an additional 1.6 terabytes of NVMe on each node. That's going to be higher latency, of course, going over the PCI Express. Right. I think there, I think this is going to become more of a typical hierarchy where you've got smaller amounts of, uh, of main memory and high bandwidth memory relative to the, uh, to the processors. And, uh, they're going to make that up with sort of a second tier of storage class memory with, uh, PCIe connected memory, um, which is what they're doing here. So yeah, it's in the, in a traditional sense, it's a small amount of memory for all those flops, but, uh, they make it up somewhat with the uh, the PCIe attached, uh, basically flash memory. One other system configuration note: the whole thing is coming in at 13 megawatts. That's less than 2x the power they were consuming on Titan, and kind of puts them on target uh, for the the power envelopes that uh, we had in mind for Exascale. Right. I mean, basically, they're their fifth of the way to Exascale here. Um, now you just can't multiply this system by five and get to the kind of power uh, limit you want, which is sort of the 40 megawatt limit now as, as the upper limit, but they're getting very close. And just in general, uh, you have a sense that uh, this system puts them within spitting distance of exascale. I mean, they need different, uh, different processors. They're going to go through another generation uh, to get there, but um this is a, a fifth of a of an exaflop, and uh, you know, and we should say when you're talking about machine learning codes, they're already well over an exaflop or an exaop in in that sense. They got 3.3 exaflops uh, in the uh, tensor cores, uh, which they're already making good use of. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Where we are with respect to exascale, because your headline on top500.org says that Summit claims the first exascale application, and that's based on a quote from Thomas Zachariah. What he's referring to is an application called Comet, which is in the genomics space, but really is genomics analytics is what we're looking at here. And they are using the mixed precision and the tensor cores to claim 1.88, what they're calling exa-ops of performance, although really it seems to be mixed precision flops. Now, this is really going to be predominantly half precision and single precision. I think calling that exascale like Thomas does, I I take exception to that because we built the whole term of exascale, which I already had a problem with the word exascale, but we built that concept around double precision and it's no good moving the finish line to say, (laughs) well, here I've done it this other way. It's like we've been saying all along we had to deliver 10 gallons of water to 10 different places. And then at the last minute, someone said, well, not everything needs a whole gallon of water. I've got something that delivers 10 pints of water and that's just as good sometimes. Well, yeah, but that's not what we were talking about. Okay. We were talking about gallons or in this case, we've been talking about double precision flops. And uh, so I, I reject the idea that this is exascale in the sense that we've been talking about exascale all along, but it is a really cool application. I, and, and it's a legit thing. So at the same time, I want to celebrate what we've done. I just don't want to redefine all the terms that we've been using for the last several years. Yeah, well, I mean, I, let me disagree with you to a certain extent. I, I think it's okay to move the goalposts now because the goalposts have been moved with with machine learning 
codes especially, and, and in this case, which isn't exactly machine learning code, but does, does this mixed precision, um, I, I think it's okay to call this exascale and sort of move those goalposts because now people are doing HPC differently with these, these different types of analytics codes. And if they're able to use the, the reduced precision to do that, um, they're still getting the sort of exascale results uh, with just less, less hardware in a sense. Um, so in a sense, this sort of reflects what's going on in HPC, where these different codes are actually changing the way we think of exascale. I know we're not going to consider we have an exaflop computer until we get the double precision, but in a sense, we're sort of backing into it here. We've already got this system up and running, running at, at exa, exa levels. So uh, I think the the whole idea of exascale in the double precision sense is sort of a, a lost concept now because of uh, what's happening in the application space. Well, and you made a good point, but both just now and earlier in the podcast, that in a sense, Oak Ridge and the DOE backed into this because this whole concept of machine learning and reduced precision was not really uh, at the forefront when this system was planned. And right. uh, while while the whole open power architecture and GPU acceleration was certainly moving forward, if we go back to four or five years ago, it, analytics was certainly out there. And I, and I give IBM a lot of credit for being ahead of the game from a visionary perspective on artificial intelligence. And we already had Watson on Jeopardy and all kinds of stuff, but they couldn't have predicted then where we'd be now in terms of having the ability to say, well, we've got this other class of applications that runs at mixed precision or reduced precision that can run faster on this same architecture. So I think it's a great thing that we have this architecture where both things can run. And uh, Jack Wells, who I spoke with on the phone, talked about roughly 15% of their code so far that they've been looking at have been taking advantage of that reduced precision or mixed precision. Uh, but I think in a sense they got lucky. I, I don't want to give them credit for a revisionist strategy of saying, right. well, this was the strategy all along. I, I think that that uh, the market kind of happened to come toward the architecture they already had planned. Yeah, in a sense, the, the applications in this case caught up with the hardware. Um, well, they sort of co-evolved, but yeah, I don't think either IBM or the DOE or anybody, uh, except maybe for NVIDIA, who, who I think were a little prescient of this, realized that, that this would come about this fast and they would get this sort of system that was able to do this and a whole set of applications and open source code and libraries that, that were actually geared to this type of computing. So, But it has come about and and Oak Ridge is going to take advantage of this and that's what that's what they devoted a lot of their uh, a, a lot of their presentation to as they launch this thing, and it's, and it's a, you know it's a very interesting development. And, and Oak Ridge, I think, is going to become sort of a center for a lot of these codes. Now, we should say the the CPUs in this system there's there's two power nines. Uh, they only represent a fraction, maybe five to ten percent of the total flops. And if your code is is sort of a legacy code and doesn't take advantage of the GPUs at all, HPC or or AI or otherwise, you don't have a 200 petaflop supercomputer. You've got something like a 10 or 20 petaflop supercomputer, which is big, but it's not even the biggest CPU supercomputer out there. You, uh, so in a sense, this is going to be most 
sort of cutting edge for GPU accelerated codes. Uh, for the other codes, it's just going to be another big supercomputer that'll be useful, but uh, not, you know, not like a number one system in that sense. Not the not the leading edge of uh, of a CPU only petascale system. Well, sure, but I mean, it's it's a heterogeneous world now, and and we've right. put out research about mm -hmm. the number of codes in HPC that now have at least mm -hmm. some GPU optimized features, and that keeps growing every year. This isn't exactly a novel or or obscure no. architecture that's out there, and I think they'll find plenty of use for it, both in AI and in traditional HPC. And in fact, there's an open call for proposals for this system right now that go up until ISC timeframe in a couple of weeks. June 22nd is the deadline for this. So, you know, we've, we've specialized the HPC and supercomputing world, but this is a, a pretty standard architecture as far as GPU computing goes. I think it's great that they can do machine learning in the same envelope. And now let's go back to, hey, 200 petaflops, that's quite a bit. And, and U.S. is poised to get back on top of top 500 list, barring some surprise from the Chinese in the next two weeks. Uh, this would be the, this is presumptively the new number one system uh, when the list gets refreshed in uh, two weeks time at ISC. And this would be the first time the U.S. would be on top of the top 500 list in over five years. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the last time we were up there uh, on the top of the list was with uh, Summit's predecessor, Titan. That was, uh, that was back in June 2012. So again, Oak Ridge and the DOE uh, it looks to put us back on top, the U.S. back on top of this. And uh, it'll, it, yeah, it's, it's been a while. And who knows how long that'll hold, but uh, it looks for the time being. Uh, U.S. is again is is in good shape. It's it's going to change sort of the complexion of of how people think maybe about the uh, the U.S. and China and that uh, that competition for at least uh, the short term. Another pending possible surprise on the top 500 list is we haven't heard anything about Summit's twin sister system Sierra, which is presumably out there somewhere getting built. Right, that's the Lawrence Livermore system. It's going to be slightly smaller. Uh, than Summit, and I think was being constructed in parallel, but a little bit behind of uh, what uh, Summit was. I think Summit sort of had the lead on on getting the parts first. So not sure if that'll turn up on the top 500 list or not. But again, another big, uh, you know, 100 plus petaflop system built with the the exact same configuration as we're getting here. Let's talk about the implications for some of the vendors here. Uh, in particular, NVIDIA, this is this just keeps NVIDIA on its strong wave in HPC and in AI. They're going to make a big deal out of this. But then sure. also for IBM, you know, IBM at a strategic level has been backing off of HPC a little bit. They want to talk about AI, and but it seems anymore they've only been getting into HPC through the AI side door. Um, IBM does mention they've got this same architecture at five different banks doing a mix of HPC and AI, and that doesn't surprise me. Intersect 360 Research has tabbed uh, fi the financial services industry as being the one in HPC that's the farthest down the AI path. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether this gives 
IBM any kind of bump in the traditional HPC space this year. They were one of the few vendors that was down in HPC last year over the previous year, uh, together obviously with Cray, with, which had a tough year. All, most vendors were up. IBM was down. Yeah, I don't know if this will, this will encourage other HPC, traditional HPC uh, customers to look at this architecture. I mean, I suspect not. And, and, and since IBM is really more focused on the enterprise market for even for this architecture, I, I don't know how interested they are. I have a feeling, you know, the, the HPC market for these systems is, is tough. I mean, it's hard to make margin on, on some of these bigger systems at in certain times, depending on how these government contracts are constructed. Um, IBM constantly talks about the enterprise market for AI and analytics and to, to a lesser extent HPC. So I think that's where they're focused. Now, this will be a, a good uh, showcase for that technology, and they can always point to this and point to the applications running there and, and how the ecosystem is growing around this platform. And that's a good thing all around. But I don't know if this is going to give them a bump in with traditional HPC customers per se. Yeah, that will be interesting to watch. And I think that's a strategic choice by IBM yeah. to, to try to just look at what areas they're focusing on. I, it, it disappointed me at the IBM Edge conference when they referred to Summit and Sierra only as AI supercomputers. <laughs> like AI is a great thing they can do with this and should be celebrated, but so is traditional HPC and supercomputing, a worthwhile endeavor. And with these DOE leadership systems, I like talking about it. Yeah, it is. I mean, for us, we we love talking about it, but I think that's where IBM's head is right now. They're 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 in the enterprise space, and I think they're going to be there for the you know for the foreseeable future. But uh, and they're not alone. It's not like they've they, they've carved this out because of of, of other things. It's the market conditions. HPC is still somewhat of a of a niche market, and it's a tough market in a lot of different ways. So some of these big vendors um, do shy away from it. I mean, we basically got one specialty company that I, one company that specializes in this and that's cray all the other companies they they work both ends of the market and it's uh it's a little trickier to do that and so it's it's not surprising that ibm's focus is is often somewhere else we'll give our whole hpc market update talk at isc of course in two weeks time but for the time being michael that'll wrap it up we had a lot to talk about with summit and i'm sure we'll be talking about it more in the weeks ahead especially heading into isc yeah and i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of other news we're running up uh, quickly to, to isc and uh, i think there's gonna be a good deal of news in uh, in the commercial and the public HPC space in the next few weeks. All right, that'll wrap it up for this week in HPC, Michael, and thanks for, to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.